Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night wherever you are in the world, and welcome to an off-topic episode of Endurance Chat. Uh, your regular host, Floodman11, ha- is currently busy, so uh, the task of doing off-topic things about Oprah Wheelers has fallen to me, Solheimus, and with me today I have Kiki Monster Raphael. How are you doing? You trapped Flood in your shed, is what you did, really. That's what you did. You got you, you, you got rid of Flood. I, that, that's fine. That's fine. You just have to prepare me. I, I'm not used to new hosts, and uh, I'll, it'll take some time, but, you know, that, that's fine. As long as you don't set him on fire, make sure you give him lots of Vegemite. He somehow loves that stuff. I don't know why. So, uh, <laughs> No, dude, this is, this is great. This is the first time I think we've ever done something like this. It's outside, slightly outside my comfort zone uh, for some of these series, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Well, uh, we're in this together. Uh, it's also slightly outside of my comfort zone for a lot of them. And I think Flood's fireproof, so I can't really set him on fire. <laughs> he's, he's got, that, he's got the fireproof. fireproof suit on, at least, right? That uh, that uh, FIA-regulated fireproof suit, right? Yeah, because he's currently busy marshalling. Right, uh, so since today uh, is a, well, shall we call it a slow day, just before the Le Mans, Le Mans news break... Uh, and I figured we might have a preview of uh, all the, well, not all, but a lot of the interesting open wheel series that are going on while we enjoy our sports cars, and some of the drivers do crossovers, so thought, why not have a go? Good enough so, for me. Good, good enough for you. Uh, so, right off the bat, let's get into the big one, Formula One, and uh, they have a, shall we say, a host of changes for this season. <laughs> yeah, host, that's underlined, bold, italicized, line under, squiggly line. <laughs> yeah, huge. Uh, quite a bit. Um, there was talk of big things going on. Uh, over a year and a half back, uh, when a lot of contracts were signed and a lot of them were suspiciously expiring in 2018. So a lot of drivers were out of contract for 2019. Obviously, uh, Kimi Raikkonen was, uh, on what, in perpetual one year deals, uh, yep. all the way back, going all the way back to 2014. But a lot of the other drivers were out of contract come the end of 2018. And then things started rolling. Yep. Uh, everyone thought that Kimi Raikkonen was the one holding the key to the driver, driver market. But what happened was that Daniel Ricciardo decided to go from Red Bull to Renault. And that got the ball rolling. So obviously every team only has two cars. So Carlos Sainz had to go. Uh, Carlos Sainz uh, wasn't promoted back to the Red Bull seat, which would have been the easy option since he was still a Red Bull driver at that point. He didn't want to go, uh, I don't know, he either didn't want to, or Red Bull didn't want to give him the other seat. So he went to McLaren. Uh, In August, Fernando Alonso announced his retirement from F1. Well, sabbatical. Big quotes. Sabbatical. (laughs) Hanging out in sports car racing, man. Yeah, he's he's hanging out. He's doing some other stuff. He might be back. We'll see. We'll see. That dude's a wild card. He's a maverick. Yeah, uh, we'll get to him later. Um, and McLaren also decided to fire Stoffel Van Dorn um, due to, shall we say, an underperformance in 2018? Yeah, oh, for sure. Definitely underperformed. I mean, he was consistently a little off Alonso, but 
you've got to beat him sometimes. I know it's Alonso, but twenty-one nil is twenty-one nil. Yeah, we, even even if there's problems with the with the car or however that was that went through mid-season, they said there was some fault in the uh, chassis. Uh, I, I just don't know if that's enough of an excuse. Yeah, you know, that would that, it clearly did save him, but I don't think that would have even done it had that w- that was in good faith and everyone believed it. I, don't, I still don't know if he would have stayed had he been the you know receiver of such terrible luck like that. Right, so now he underperformed terribly. Uh. It's a sad world, but yeah, he he's out of F1 for the time being. After after having an impeccable junior record, uh, which is I don't know, he, something just doesn't add up in the entire story of Van Dorn for me. Uh, I think there's more to him, and we might see him back. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, anyway, towards the late season, uh, McLaren were uh, alternating uh, Van Dorn and Norris in free practice one, and they decided that they wanted Lando Norris. In the other car, who had uh, who had also climbed the ranks quickly, very quickly. <laughs> yes. And uh, what? Well, I think uh, he destroyed European F3 uh, in 2017. Then he was third, if I recall correctly, in Formula Two in 2018, and now he's in the F1 car, uh, having gone through the through the entire. Um, through the entire junior ladder, and a bit more, uh, uh, if we remember his visit to Daytona with United All Sports a, a year back, where he was, shall we say fast? Very fast. <laughs> right up Very there with Fernando. Right up there with Fernando. How do you yeah, like right uh, that? How do you like Lando? Uh, he's He definitely seems a little polarizing. I mean, some people really are, are keen on him. Some are, they, they're turned off by his almost, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say like posh, kind of like almost well-to-do personality like he you know uh but he definitely has the corporate side of it down like he's very i you know he, he's he's definitely appealable to corporate sponsors but he seems more polarized with the fan base what are your thoughts on him uh he might have done well in bronze mclaren <laughs> um he seems like a nice dude i mean when you come from a rich family it's gonna rub off on you and it's it's going to be noticeable in the way you talk. There's just a whole host of differences between how you grow up as a in a lower class, middle class, upper class family. But he seems all right. I mean, uh, the fact that he's on Reddit, <laughs> shit posting in RF1 with everyone else. Bonus, bonus. Yeah, uh, he's in the car. <laughs> and he is the first F1 driver to, to be born in a year after I was born. Not the first one that's younger than me, but the first one to be in the year after. Oh, wow. Which is, um, I feel old. I'm too young to feel old. Uh, yeah, yeah. It See, the thing for you is that it catches up with you a little bit more just because everybody's now, like, you almost have to be 17 and, like, have to be getting into F1, essentially, for you to, you know, because now Max's and the Landos, they're all in F1 so early. I mean, I... It, it, what 10 10 20 years ago it was 20 21 year olds that those were like the ultra ultra young that that was just insane to drop somebody that young in there so yeah i mean you guys yeah. are you guys are coming of age way earlier than uh than old folks like me but yeah welcome to old age man that's what you get thank you i'll enjoy it i'll enjoy it uh i mean uh a couple of years back the fia didn't have to introduce rule that drivers had to be 18 to get a super license yep because of max because of Max. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that the, the dude is, what, 
eight, nine months older than me, and he is in his fifth season in F1? Yes. Uh, is I think it's going to be his fourth or fifth? Is it? Fifth. It is fifth. It is fifth. Yeah, no, I mean, he's almost like a veteran, much like the uh, Lando's teammate as well at McLaren. Yeah, they the both came, came into F1 together in 15 through Red Bull's program, and they're both out there together now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think I would have preferred to see Sainz spared with Van Dorn, because that would have given a benchmark for Van Dorn, uh, for Van Dorn and it would have answered the question if Van Dorn would have lived up to his junior record in a proper team and like how much of it was Van Dorn and how much of it was Alonso. Like, because being compared to Fernando Alonso is obviously, I know it sounds like I'm a bit of a fanboy now, but it's the reality that being compared to him is difficult. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's Alonso. I think honestly he's in, he is in a different category. Obviously he doesn't have the, uh, you know, the championships that, that Seb and, uh, and Lewis do, but, uh, I just think his his skill inside the car in any car is just something that almost you have to just step as you know leave it on the side because you you we just don't know. I mean, he could he could have four or five titles if luck played his its way better. Um, you know when he was making choices as where to go. So, but yeah, I, yeah, I it's it's yeah. it's hard to determine how last year would have played out uh, had it not been Fernando as the uh, as the co driver of that car. So. But yeah, I mean, I, I think McLaren made this choice for the future. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a young British talent that's uh, that they can potentially have for a couple seasons at least to see if he matures. If there's any mistakes, iron those out. Carlos Sainz is a, uh, I would say, almost now getting into be a veteran role, and he's still extremely talented, and will push Lando, and will obviously push that car uh, pretty fast. I would I would assume, and it's not it's probably going to be a good midfield car, is where I'm guessing this thing. So we'll see. All signs from testing currently point point there. Uh, the McLaren has seemed consistent, if I recall correctly. And yeah, science is a very good benchmark because he held his own against Hulkenberg last year, and Hulkenberg was still with zero podiums, but uh, if you want to get mid- midfielder, look no further than, than Hulkenberg. So there you go. Uh, now, uh, science, uh, now Ricardo opening the seat of Red Bull promoted Pierre Gasly into the Red Bull seat, uh, which uh, who is the junior driver of Red Bull, despite being a year and a half older. <laughs> Max. Thank you, Max. <laughs> and uh, Red Bull also decided to boot Brendan Hartley again, uh, who's uh, returned to sports cars. Thank you very much. That's where we want him. Yep, I'll take that. And uh, they've, they have... Two completely new drivers for 2019. Well, completely new is probably the, the wrong word because they've got Alex Albon, who is uh, thigh slash British and finished second in the 2018 F2 Championship, and they've got Daniel Kvyat. Again. The torpedo like the himself. Time. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is his, what, fourth or fifth stint at Toro, so... Um, I get that it's an F1 drive and that the Toro Rosso drive is probably better than anything he'll probably ever get because of the massive backlog of drivers and that he's slightly getting old, getting a bit older now. He's he's on the eve of 25. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just seems like it's a bit undignifying to be 
in his place, like just <laughs> tossed around. Yeah, there's there's not a whole self worth in uh, in kind of being the uh, well, I, I guess we'll take you kind of role, which is what Daniel is really fitting in. I think the biggest takeaway though for me is that if you want to get into F1 and you don't have the crazy talent that is required please just be born Russian because it's a whole lot easier for you because you will have the connections and the backdoor money that clearly Daniel still maintains and pulls because I, I just mm. I just don't know where Daniel fits in the overall international spectrum of racers. Like if you put him in a Lamont proto like an LMP1, right, where would he rank if, if all of them were R18s and you had all the current drivers? Where would you put Daniel Kvyat? I would probably put him mid-pack. So to me... Mm. Somebody who's a mid-pack LMP1 driver who's not even top flight, and we're not talking, you know, X F1 driver. I'm talking just like he was born and bred sports cars. He's really fast. If you can somehow continuously get these rides, especially at Toro Rosso, in what you can call a Red Bull like feeder system, and they don't have anybody else to fill, that dude's bringing in some money and keeping that team running nice and pretty for that for Honda. So, I, yeah. Uh, good luck, Daniel. I hope you um, give us some good highlight reels that aren't involving crashing into people. And we'll see how long your stint at Toy Ross will last this time. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well put. Uh, I don't have much to add. I mean, Red Bull are only going to put... They're either going to put Kvyat in that car or they're going to put a rookie. And right now they don't have a rookie with enough super license points. And I think this is a good point to mention mention Daniel Ticton. <laughs> oh, has he had an event for winter? <laughs> Just a bit. Um What do you what do you make of, of his Instagram meltdown? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh... Take a rant. I this I did did he not just do that himself, you know, kind of with that? I yeah, I don't know, man. There's there's um uh, there's 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 almost a level of outspokenness that that we're getting to, and I think it's it's interesting uh, from well, from athletes, and I think it's interesting from motorsports perspective that um, you have the juxtaposition of you know like a Ferrari, Mercedes, uh, just the extreme PR, um, you know, just the way that it uh, everything is monitored, everything is kind of okay. Well, if you say this, we're you know we'll, we're literally gonna play it back and we're going to talk about why, like what you said now we can like correct that if there's a problem to then people that have their own personal accounts just literally in the heat of the moment or even just premeditated just melting and uh yeah it's it's <laughs> i don't know man i love you know it's it's you love it when it's not yourself or it's not anybody that you root cheer root for essentially just because the popcorn aspect to it but oh. man man dude that's uh <laughs> I I I really don't have a huge rant for that. I just I think he I think everything was was said and done that needed to be stated. Let's just let's just put it that way. So God, oh, yeah. that was re- crazy though. <laughs> I think it's it's also got to do with uh, who they're marketing themselves to, like Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, even they're marketing themselves to people who have six figures to spend in a car. Yeah, yeah, yep. Red Bull mar- are marketing themselves to people like me. Mm-hmm. To poor students who need energy drinks to survive, to get through this hell of university. Well, what are you? What are you doing, that man? You got rich energy now to keep you topped up. You just got to find it. Oh, 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 yes, but rich energy only exists in posh clubs. 
which I'm not allowed in. Yeah, we, because I look too poor. We haven't we haven't been able to confirm which posh club they're in, but we're told they're in a posh club. So we'll find it. We'll come oh, yeah. back. We'll circle back to this at a later date. I'm sure for silly season 2020 here. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, the whole rich energy thing is just. Uh, we we'll get back. To yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. We haven't even gotten to Haas yet, so we got to Yeah, who are we on next? Who we got next? Uh, all right, so that's one chain of the silly season pretty much closed. The other chain goes through Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ferrari have had another battle uh, over the year, uh, which culminated in, uh, well, it's, I think it started with the death of Sergio Marchionne. He was just such a central figure in both the Ferrari team and Fiat Chrysler automobiles, and it all just went from there. Uh, I mean... Operationally and technically, and Ferrari just weren't up there after the summer break, and it's been attributed quite a lot to Marquinhos' death. The new man charge, John Alcon, uh, apparently favoured Mattia Binotto to take the team over, and after the entire story was said and done, Maurizio Urbeni has been sent into retirement, apparently, or has he been sent into road cars? I don't know. Whilst uh, Mattia Binotto is the new team principal of Ferrari. So, uh, in the midst of the entire power spill, uh, Ferrari have uh, fired slash retired slash just haven't offered an- another contract to Kimi Raikkonen slash he, quote, decided to leave. <laughs> air quotes. Uh, and put Charles Leclerc in his place. And he is the least experienced driver they have had, if I'm correct, since Gilles Villeneuve. Man, I didn't. I didn't even. Know, I did not know that that stat essentially with and how Ferrari chose chooses their veteran drivers. But yeah, I mean, thinking about it, they literally have just chosen nothing but veteran drivers since I've remember <laughs> watching them. So yeah, this is this is a departure from the norm for them. Um, I don't believe Charles Leclerc is like a Lando Norris or a Stoffel Vandoorne, where we are not quite sure if he's got the you know if he's if he's got the stones. I think the guy has the stones. Um, whether or not it will translate into race wins, um, fighting with Sebastian Vettel, and then ultimately maybe championships at Ferrari remains to be seen. Uh, but I think the kid has talent, and he can absolutely get a win this year, uh, no doubt. Um, the uh, intre- yeah, so it'll just be it'll be interesting to see how he fits with with Ferrari and Sebastian. Yeah, uh, and from the first seven out of eight days of testing, which is what we have right now. Uh, the car looks mighty strong. I think he's assuring for at least one win this year. If he wins Monaco, it's going to be a <laughs> it's going to be a love story. <laughs> Would it Don't even want to imagine. Which now? Yeah, my favorite team, dude. This is this is probably now my. Fa- I I used to be a Mercedes fan. This next team, I think, is probably my favorite team now. Yeah. So. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen went to what the team formerly known as Sauber, which is now just known as Alfa Romeo. <sighs> However, uh, the Fiat Chrysler money uh, allows them one seat in the Alfa Romeo team. That's not the Raikkonen seat. Nope. The, the, the Fiat Chrysler seat is Antonio Giovinazzi, who is a graduate, after a very long time, of the Ferrari Driver Academy. And then they just hired Raikkonen on the side. I and uh, they fired Michael Sorensen, who's off to IndyCar. Uh, we'll talk about him later. 
it's 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 great this is the i i think the alpha will be uh a right up there with uh renault and with red bull i think potentially depending on how this works with strategy wise i'm so high right now on alpha bayo and i love the car i love the i love the brand so i'm i'm I've been a huge Alfa Romeo fan since they raced at Le Mans in 1970. So there's your sports car tie-in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, yeah, Kimi Raikkonen, uh, the dude can still drive. Uh, maybe he might not be Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton levels, whatever, uh, Max Verstappen, but the dude can absolutely wheel the thing. And if the car is fast and he's fast on a given Sunday, wouldn't be surprised if he can get a podium or potentially win. Uh, Giovinazzi, super big on this guy too. I think he's going to be good just like Charles Leclerc, and it'd be awesome to have an actual italian be fast again it's been so long since i've seen an italian f1 driver actually be fast especially in a traditionally italian especially in a race in an alpha dude in an alpha especially in race space as well yes truly (laughs) oh yeah truly trains yeah choo choo let's go the original hype train was for truly so yeah i'm super high in alpha we'll see how they do this year yeah, and there's one more uh, chain of the silly season, because this is not done yet. Uh, because mid-season, Force India ran out of money. <laughs> they also ran out of money, and they uh, and then VJ got impeached, and no one really wanted to touch the thing. So what Lawrence Stroll did was he bought the hardware, but didn't buy the team. He just bought the hardware, and uh, they sort of put a hack job of a half-season entry together so that they were admitted as a half-new team, but allowed some of the payments from the p- previous season, from, like, uh, the uh, the the P4, the double P4, that the old Force India uh, brought in 16 and 17, so I think they're still getting that money, but they had to restart in 2018 with zero points, losing the 59 that they got previously, uh, pre- uh, prior to the summer break, and are now a completely new team that is still pink. <laughs> and what the hell is that name? Racing Point. Yep. Come on. R- uh, r- like for Racing Force Point. Racing Point Force. Uh, something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now it's just Racing Point. Now it's just race. Okay. Now it's just Racing Point. Good. All right. Well, I don't. I still don't know what that means. I. I, I almost like Force India better just because those two combinations of words sounded better than Racing Point. But uh, I. Yeah. The, the the pink stays because of Sergio. So um, round of applause, everyone. That. Sergio, help keep this team alive. Thank you. Thank you, Sergio. You're great, great man. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, uh, then Lance, buddy. Yeah. Now, now we we now have a team that is owned by a dad just so that his son can race. I in F1, wow. in F1. This is this is like in sports cars. This is like an F3. Maybe this is even an Indy car with like with, you know, my, with Andretti. Marco. But like F1 like I I I in the ungodly amounts of money that are required for this sport and this is happening. I just let's, yeah, let's see what happens man. Just... Pink go pink pig. Let's go. Let's let's see what happens with this team. I I don't know. I mean, they're not a Williams, but this is uh I would not I would be I would have anxiety if I worked at uh, Racing Point. Let's just say that. Oh yeah. Um I mean We'll also see if Stroll's any good. I mean, he's in his third season now. Uh, any teething issues he may, might have had have to be gone. I mean, they should realistically they should have been gone uh, in like halfway through his first season. Mm-hmm. But if his teething issues aren't gone by now, some very, very, very serious questions will have to be asked about him. Absolutely. But he's going to keep the seat because his dad owns the team. 
with a long-term contract. Oh, yeah. And that booted Esteban Ocon out, who is, uh, I think he's a simulator driver for Mercedes right now. Yes. Or something like that. So he's got a year out. Uh, We'll see how that turns out for him. And then, obviously, that vacated a seat at Williams. And Williams are just... I don't even want to. I don't even want to. Do you want to? I mean, we've got it in the notes here. Williams, please. So I feel like we need need to talk about it just a little bit. What is honestly going on with that team? (laughs) Absolutely no idea. I mean... Back when in August last year, or July, was it July, whatever, they came up with a car which was just like gay pride. All the colors of Flow Wiz. We have absolutely no idea what the hell's going on. I yeah. mean, you can't really fault Stroll and Stroll for not doing well in that car. I don't think anyone would have done well in that car. No, not at all. The car looked, last year's car looked nervous, looked, looked out of place, really. And... The one point that they managed to get, I mean, it's, that's where it was. That, that's realistically more than that car deserved. Let's, yeah. Let's be honest. I, I mean, I, I just feel, who do you, who do you got, who do you feel worse for? I mean, Kubica, who's, who's done this huge comeback. George Russell, this is his first time in F1 and you're going to get this dog of a car, but he's, and he's contracted multi-year with Williams. So he's literally attached to the hip with however terrible, you know, fate may lie. Williams, he's going with them. Like it's, I just like that entire, yeah, yeah, racing point. I get anxiety. I'm literally having a panic attack if I'm working at Williams because I, you don't even know if you're going to be here in three months. I mean, they could go into administration for all we know. Yeah, because uh, the money that's on that car is also somewhat shady. Hmm. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could talk Apparently, about. That. Yeah. Well, we got we got to talk talk about shady sponsors later. Uh, but. I don't know. I mean, we thought Kubica was coming back last year because someone extrapolated that the the Kubica was in the car which had a red flashlight behind it and, uh, like, the red rain light. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually if the driver doesn't have a super license, it's supposed to be green and super licenses expire after a year. So they figured it's red, meaning Kubica has a super license, meaning Williams pay for it, meaning he's going to race. Yeah. And then they announced to Rodkin. And there was a guy on the, on the Formula 1 subreddit who... Um, he said, if they choose Sorotkin over Kubica, uh, I will delete my account. They did. They owned <laughs> up. It was such a great name as well. Adar Cheese Wheel. <laughs> That's gone. That's gone now. Sacrificed for the bets. I love it. No bamboozle. No bamboozle. Well, yeah, and... but we got we have one more team that did literally nothing this off season, right? We got two. We've oh got yeah, two. that's right. They got two. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. Mercedes decided not to race anymore, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, might be more competitive. I it would it would definitely be a very interesting season if they decided to just not do anything. They just, they just went. Uh, oh, we're we're bringing back the CLR. We're uh, lo- uh, the ACO is allowing us to race it at Le Mans again. This time we put a fin on it, so it's not going to flip. Anyway. But they're gonna put a second on it, so it is gonna flip. <laughs> Sandbags, right? I mean, that's what they're doing in F one. <clears throat> yeah, right. Yeah, and Haas uh, did nothing on the driver front, but they did a lot on the livery front. It's now black and gold. It's now a Lotus. Oh, I want to smoke right now. <laughs> I don't. 
That's my people. Oh man, you know, there, there's so many good segues to our, our next segments here, man. This is uh, this is oh, yeah. this is great. Yeah. So uh, we Haas well, basically Haas did nothing except with the uh, rich energy, and then Mercedes did nothing except for a updated livery, which looks except better. Except for an updated livery and uh, a car that looks somewhat different from the others. Yeah. I mean, it did last week. Now it looks like the others, and. There's rumors that they're actually two separate cars, which they're going to run track depend. Like, uh, they've got one w- which has the uh, front wing end plates, uh, like, um, curved inwards, like the regulations wanted them to do, because the new, uh, we're going to talk about that later. And they've got one that looks, well, like the others. So, if they're two specs that they're going to run separately, Mercedes, please, leave something for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> they're just making their own different cars to race against each other to see which one's faster i mean like this is mercedes literally in-house are racing against it they might they might have two different design teams that are like competing against each other for all we know dude this is this is oh, german surprised. this is just this is just peak german right now this is all i'm gonna say about that yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah and the haas Livery uh, is now sponsored by Rich Energy. What the hell is Rich Energy? Uh, it's an energy drink. Uh, so, <laughs> air quotes, I, energy drink. That I have no idea what what it does, what it is. It does it give me like emotional, like do I have mental energy after this? What kind of energy do I get? Do I get like electrical energy? I don't know. Doesn't really say. I can't even go buy the product to find out. I just have to. I just assume. Maybe it's an energy company. Maybe they're like masquerading as a, as an energy drink company, and then realistically, they're like some Russian energy company, dude. And this is. I, I I broke it here. No, no. Here we go. Enriched energy. Ah, it's a nuclear program. Yeah. Unobtainium, actually. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Maybe they'll make make F one cars out of it, and then <laughs> figure out a way to break the weight limit. Well, I mean, look, look, I, I have no idea what to make with that. Um, I will be, let's just say, I'll be surprised if that car does has the same livery the entire year. Ooh, yeah, good point. I, um, I think September, October is when we might start seeing more gray again. Yeah, could see a big hostile. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, which I love. By the way, I love the sort of gunmetal gray. It looked. I mean, it's an industrial company. The car looks industrial. I think it looks sexy as, sexy as all fuck. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, the shady energy drinks company, apparently, uh, is not the only one out there. I mean, you've got Williams, who have Rocket, who are apparently a telecommunications company. Like, they do something, some innovation. Yeah, they didn't do, they didn't do shit. <laughs> they don't have a product yet. Yet. We don't have a product yet, but we will, and we have enough money to put it on an F1 car. See? See? Here we have the money. Uh, and then you've got Ferrari, and then you've got McLaren. Who really, really want to make me have a vape. <laughs> Mission win now, man, or whatever that is. is that- uh, I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, so Ferrari, in October 2018, they put uh, the big... I think it's Mission Window. I think it's supposed to be Window, like, like one. Uh, I mean, it's, it says win now, but I, I think uh, as a single word, it's supposed to be Window. So they put the massive letters missionwinnow.com over the entire car. And when you go to that website, it's literally empty buzzwords. Just fluff. 
empty PR buzzwordy fluff with uh, some important faces from Philip Morris International. Should I make a point? <laughs> and the logo, when the car moves fairly quickly, looks oddly familiar. You mean you mean when the car blurs as it, as it flies by you? It resembles a symbol yes, exactly. of years gone by of something that you could experience and enjoy that might not be very healthy for you, but you could pay a company to give you that product that you can enjoy, right? Is that is that what you're saying here? Exactly. Okay. I wonder what that was. <laughs> this is not the first hmm. time Ferrari specifically have done this and Philip Morris have done this. This is this is the weirdest one by far. The other ones at least made sense because oh, yeah. they were just trying to get around some something. This is basically like we are we are acknowledging the problem. We still want to like put something up here. So we're just going to make a corporate like logo and essentially just make like a corporate entity of the Philip Morris cigarette company that will highlight just the executives of the cigarette company that will allow you to feel some form of enjoyment. I exactly. I, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't I mean, know. <laughs> PMI owns the entire Ferrari livery, so they have it. Well, at least they keep it and, red. So I appreciate that. Yeah, they keep it red. I mean, okay, the, a blue Ferrari, the, that was a thing of class. Anyway, uh, McLaren also got in, in, in the act with um, a better tomorrow. Yeah. Which is British American's vape, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I, I had to look... British American Tobacco's vape. I had to look uh, that up. I had no the, idea what that was. They don't even hide it. Like, they say, well, it's marketing reduced risk products. Seriously? Reduce risk product. It's fucking nicotine. Mm. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. And then, dude, I mean, the the next question will be uh, uh, THC products and companies that supply THC and and uh, you know the green stuff. Especially now that it's be, it's accelerating by leaps and bounds in the United States, I would not be surprised if we st- if, if we soon start seeing some of that stuff pop up. I don't even know what how you. I mean, I guess that would get lumped into the rest of it, right? So, Hmm. yeah. A midweek race on April 20th. (laughs) For no reason. And no one seems to start the race. Everybody's just still on the start grid. (laughs) Lots of smoke. And we're easy. I'm just saying, there's lots of smoke. We're thinking that maybe the tires are, the the brakes are overheating. Nah, this ain't that, fam. Nope. (laughs) Well, the start lights were lit. (laughs) <laughs> this is actually not bad. I'm not actually. I'm not rolling my eyes that that hard at that one. So, nice shot. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know what to uh, make of this, man. I really don't. I don't know if. Um, I mean, on, on the one hand, it does. I think. I think the there is studies out that show that this is effective. That that removing the ability for people to see the advertising in front of them like this does it, you know affect their decision not to. I think that is a thing. I, I'm not sure, but if that's the case, then yeah, let's, I just keep doing it. But I, I, how do you do? You just terminate Ferrari because they are, they still have Philip Morris as a uh, you know they're sponsoring the car. I mean, if a cigarette company sponsors a car, but they're sponsoring like growing trees, is that you know and not not that way? But I mean, 
just like increasing the rainforest for some reason, right? Like, is that allowed? Would that not be okay? I mean, like, cause you could, cons- you know, construe that you're, you know, they're still benefiting from the advertisement. I- I'm, I'm not sure. So it's like, it's this weird political thing that I don't even know how you would enforce it at this point. And they're clearly just trying to get around it. So, yeah. Uh, the problem is that you can't just really go at home and say, look, you're Philip Morris, you are by definition bad. Like, you can do good things. Mm-hmm. So they sold advertising space to Kaspersky and was it UPS and yep. people like, like companies like that who have nothing to do with tobacco. That... But their core business is still selling tobacco. Yeah. So I really don't want to get into that. My only thing would be, that, like for Philip Morris, just to even avoid some of this stuff, why not just do like... I mean, I'm not. This is this sounds disingenuous, but like the Victory Junction gang, like a NASCAR or something like that, where you are just spending. I mean, you know, it only has to be a, two or three million a year that you're giving to this charity or something like that, and it's specifically for racing for with Ferrari. It's it's an injunction with Philip Morris, but then you can just sponsor that thing on it. Like you don't have to just, and it can be like Philip Morris's blah blah. blah. Like you can put the Philip Morris logo with whatever charity or something like that that's that's super in and then you can at least go like dude we're promoting our charity we can't promote our brand but we're gonna promote this charity this thing is all just like well we we literally are just trying to bypass your rule so you're gonna have to tell us to remove it and we'll find something else like that's all this that ferrari ad is so anyway enough of the political mission (laughs) yeah i think mission window is exactly that like we're promoting this thing that's not our brand but make us change it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, basically, make us. And Australia isn't investigating it. Good guys, Australia. Yeah. Now, uh, for 2019, we also have a new car to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the front front wings have been uh, significantly simplified in order to reduce the dirty air, as it's famously known. And I was lukewarm on the regulation changes. I think, I mean... Uh, I was lukewarm at the story of how it was going. Like, one race deep into the season of 2018, which was at Albert Park, which is not the easiest circuit to pass on, everyone went, all right, cars are crap, we need, we got to fix this. And throughout the season, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the problem of cars not being able to pass. Like, the races that were bad were bad because the drivers didn't see enough of an incentive to push. And in the races where they did have an incentive to push, they did. Uh, for example, France, where we had a lot of overtakes. Like, everyone thought, oh, the corners are crap. It's all going to be crap. It's, it's just a parking lot. It's going to be crap. It was a pretty good race because the drivers had enough of an incentive to push. And even ignoring Sebastian Vettel's recovery drives, the endless recovery drives, wherever the, whenever the drivers did have enough of an incentive to go for it, they didn't, they didn't have enough, a problem passing. All right. Could have been easier. And but I don't think the arrow is where the problem starts. I think it's elsewhere. See, I'll, but we don't have the time to discuss that right now. Right, and I, I disagree. And we have we have a ton of other time at some other point. But yeah, I I, I think it is more arrow based. We have to reduce the amount of arrow. I don't think the stuff that is changed now is going to really help anything. And I think taking off a lot of that front downforce from the front wing is only going to. Uh, push the car, you know, have that arrow push uh, occur more frequently in, you know, when you're behind somebody just because of the lack of downforce that you're going to naturally just have that's just flowing normally. So I th- I don't know how these changes are going to look. I, 
I suspect that drivers would probably complain a little bit more about these cars than last year. That's my that's my guess. We'll see in about a month. Yep. Uh, we also got um, the uh, the driver weight limits. So uh, the driver and seat now must weigh at least eighty kilos. Finally. <laughs> And that was, like was about the, it. The Hulkenberg rule. Yeah, I mean, that's... The Hulkenberg rule. Lex Hulkenberg. <laughs> and we've had seven days of testing so far, uh, and we've learned absolutely dick. Ferrari seemed fast. Mercedes seemed fast. Re- uh, Ferrari crashes. Red Bull crashes. Red Bull seems somewhat fast. Uh, everybody seems Williams fast. is a clusterfuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Williams is dead. Yeah. I, they. Oh, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, because they couldn't even show up. Yeah. That, that was a big... For the first two and a half days. Yep. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Well, fun. Fun for me, now, at least uh, as an observer. But all right. Yeah. That this about wraps wraps F one up, and the season starts on the seventeenth of March in Albert Park. Now on to F three, and uh, the F three structure has been sort of reorganized for twenty nineteen. Um, what was formerly GP three with the cars from the uh, well thing the. Actually, the the cars might have changed slightly, but what was GP3, <laughs> the F1 support series, became the FIA Formula 3 championship. GP3 wasn't the premier third, third tier series. So uh, this, to me, well, smells of uh, the FIA sort of pushing their thing, which didn't really catch on, but we're saying, look, this is our thing. Totally you got to do this. Uh, even with, I mean, even before the super license points for the GP3 for GP3 were higher than European F3, which was the premier third tier series, but everyone just went and raised that one because uh, the the drivers the driver caliber in European F3 was a lot higher. Uh, I mean, Mick Schumacher came from European F3, Lando Norris came from European F3, yada yada yada. Furthermore, uh, the old F3 cars with the characteristic side restrictor intake thing. Uh, have been relegated to a, a DTM support series called the Formula European Masters. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you liking you liking these moves, man? This is a lot of change for F three. Yeah, I mean, I'm not deep into F three, but it seems wrong. It just to me, it just seems wrong. S- like slightly wrong, but maybe could have been executed better. Because F3 was always sort of... It was never spec before. The new international F3 thing is. And I don't know how good that is. Oh, we're, we're sports car fans. This is, uh, anything spec racing for us is usually met with a little bit of groan and uh, and side-eye viewing. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, I, I share your concern. I definitely liked the, the different aspect of that... There, it was a non-spec series. You could theoretically pair with a with a manufacturer to build a chassis, show up, perform well, and you know, and succeed there in that role. Now with F three, you obviously are getting the more um, formal and obviously affiliated with basically the largest governing you know motorsport governing body in the world. Blah blah blah. So you're getting that uh, ladder series basically immediately injected. There's no like if you're in F three. You don't need to go anywhere else if you're trying to go to F1, man. Um, you know, and if you're in Europe, blah, 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 
you can stay in here, work your way up. The ladder system will help you, and you can get an F1 even at a lower tier than this. Now, the thing that I don't like is that the grandfather system, and I would have just loved to see maybe an extra year or two of some of the older spec where you do have to, you you know, use a form of BOP. These open-wheel cars are not that difficult, I don't think, to BOP, or at least to try to get them close enough. You could have, I mean, see, here we go. I'm trying to sports car race a open wheel series but let's go um you know so f- that's what i would i would love to see that but um yeah just to, to allow some of these smaller teams because we're talking i mean we're not talking any money here for some of these teams that are running this um you know especially in the bottom end of the field uh to get into this new set of machinery I, i'm sure it does not cost a, you know anything short of a lot and it's fia certified so i'm sure it's gone through crazy amounts of crash testing with all of them have to do but um, yeah, it, it, it screams more expense and hopefully that translates into better racing, uh, more tighter racing, better series, uh, more crowds. Sure. Um, but hopefully this means positives for the already existing teams that are there, all the drivers, the whole ecosystem that's there. Cause I thought it, it was good as it was. Let's see if these changes make it any better. No, nothing more to add. And finally, uh, we have uh, a bit of a, um, Warmer topic, shall we say? Uh, we have uh, the emergence of W Series, which is a series for only for female drivers uh, who have been uh, who have gone through a sort of qualifying process to be in this female-only series based on F3 machinery, which is aimed to air quotes uh, increase female participation in motorsports. No. <laughs> You're not gonna like me, dude. You're not gonna be like, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I mean, I don't think it's. I think it's better than nothing. Yeah, I absolutely think that. Uh, like telling women, like, yes, these are things you can do. This there is something to aim for, and if you want to aim to everyone, we want to help you do it. Absolutely, I think it's. I mean, I think the existence. Of a program to support women to in their motorsport career is excellent. I just don't think a female-only series is the best way to do it. I think what Jackie Heinricher and Kessel Racing are doing is a lot better. Mm-hmm. I I, I agree. Female-only cars. Yes, and I I think the overall perception of their effort will be judged much higher than what this W series will be now. The thing that I will say is that I think there is a huge hill to climb for women uh, to get into motorsport. Um, there is a social, oh, there's a huge social stigma to it. It's just not something that women usually are into or find, you know, they're not mechanically inclined nine times out of 10. You're not going to have a, a kid who is five years old. She's a girl. Give her a Barbie doll. Give her a, a gear, a set of gears from a transmission. She ain't going to start playing those gears, man. So my, my thing is that, um, Let's let's see what a quick quote unquote safe space for for women are in terms of hey look there isn't this huge bar of hey not only are you a woman but you need to have money you need to have talent you need to have you know experience you need to have a parent who's dedicated you know who's whatever uh, the Bill Elliott to Chase Elliott you know for NASCAR or something like that yeah. you need to have all those aspects and even then you might not get that ride because we're not looking at you as being the next Dale Earnhardt we're looking at you being the next Danica Patrick which isn't anything. So for this, 
sure, the lap time, you know, and the annoying part will be that it is out in the open. It's out there to be judged, and it's you can it's all comparable. They're not going to be racing at women only tracks. They're racing other tracks, and men are. So you can draw direct comparisons between lap times for the average for women and men. The thing for me is to just look at the top, the podiums. I just want to see podium times. I want to see what, who's the winner, what they're doing. That will be the thing for me. And if this makes just even a feeder series for two women to come out of that are competent enough to potentially win races, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I'm not looking for a champion. I'm not looking for Michael Schumacher here. I just want to see women talent come out and have the talent enough to win a Formula One race. I, I think it's doable. And I, I don't, and I think it's, it would be amazing for the sport. I think it would be amazing just to see just as a human being. I mean, it's an achievement. And, uh, if this is at, you know, let's try it. I, I that's that's where I'm at. I think with this, I think there are some flaws to it, and I certainly see the negatives, and I I can't object to them. But I think at this point, we, I think I and a bunch of other people are just dying to see somebody coming from the women's sector that has some talent and can at least show it on the track. Like, man, I'm just tired of seeing Danica Patrick's. Seriously, <laughs> there is a Christina Nelson. That is true. But I would say she still am, though, man. I mean, like, she puts in good times, but she she screams more of an am. Like, I would take probably Catherine Legg. I think Catherine Legg was probably the closest person to outright winning an IndyCar race on pace or or anything else. She's, I think, one of the faster, one of the faster gals that I've seen race just off of pure pace. But, again, it's just like they haven't won anything. I mean, she's won races, you know, in, in sports car. They really haven't won a championship yet. But, man, it's just – it's – I just I, I that's that's where I'm at, man. I uh, so I'm okay with seeing where this goes, but I definitely am apprehensive <clears throat> with some stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, sure, if you want to do it, go to go and do it. Someone's paying for it. <laughs> exactly, that's that's the thing. I'll I'll watch. It's racing, man. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, now that just about wraps up F3. Uh, we've got a couple other series before we go to America. Uh, the other big big part of the episode. So, uh, first, first, off, first off, we've got Formula S5000, which is a new series for 2019 in Australia. Uh, I believe they have a calendar already, which is like several rounds, but no entry list. Uh, I don't think they have any confirmed drivers. They just have confirmed a car which was shaken down on a track, and it's a 5-liter V8. Make, I think it's actually a Ford Co- Coyote V8. I think it's actually a stop block. I'm not sure. So I think it's going to sound amazing. I think it's going to, it's going to look amazing when raced because it's going to slide everywhere. Yep. And well, I think, I hope it catches on because more racing. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it looks, uh, like a super formula open wheel car, less downforce, uh, less complicated and with a whole lot. I actually of think it's displacement. I think it actually is a previous gen, uh, super formula chassis, but don't quote me. Okay. With obviously the, uh, halo attachment and all that to it. But yeah, this, this, these things should scream, man. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. pretty, pretty chuffed to see what this thing is going to sound like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I love though the earlier versions where this they had that huge air intake on the top that reminded me of like the seventies uh, uh, <laughs> F one cars. But uh, you know what? This this will look great too. So I'm I'm excited for this series. We'll see what happens with this. Oh yeah, 
And this segues that nicely into Super Formula, which uh, if you watch it, uh, you know everything we we're, we're going to say. If you don't, uh, here's something you should know. Uh, it is the f- uh, second fastest open wheel series in the world, after Formula 1, obviously. Uh, they have a new car for 2019, uh, made by Dallara. Who else? Uh, they are also introducing the Halo. Uh, I mean, head protection. Yay. I don't think it's the best solution to head protection, but if uh, it's the only one that works right now. Right. Uh, they have two-liter four-cylinder engines, uh, which make somewhere in the range of 550 horsepower. That's not going that that well for Mazda and IMSA, but it seems to be going rather well in Super Formula. <laughs> and it's derived from this from the way engines used in Super GT and from 2019 also DTM. If you watch any of those series, you might want to give Super Formula a go. Um, it streams on Motorsport TV, and uh, there are 11 drivers who also race Super GT. Again, if you watch Super GT, you might also m- want to watch Super Formula. And uh, there is one driver who both of us know very well, mm. Imu Kobayashi. Yep. Big time. Dude. Um it's uh in the in the in the past few seasons it's also been used as a stepping stone between F2 and F1 when when there's not a seat available. Uh so Van Dorn and for WC LMP1 drivers too. We we saw Lauder oh, yeah. in this Lauder. Uh, um who else was in here? There's a couple other uh LMP1 drivers back in Porsche and Audi days and Toyota. Obviously Kaz uh who's in here as well. Oh yeah. I completely miss him. Yeah, Nakajima, baby, let's go. Second gen, he's got he's got Le a Lamar winner, Kazuki. Lamar winner, yeah, let's go. So, oh yeah, this is uh this is always a fun. I whenever you can watch any of these, they're always it's 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 kind of like Formula Light, and then you don't yeah you know you 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 can even see like natural passing, which is really strange too. So, oh wow, what's that? <laughs> I don't <laughs> that that just about wraps Super Formula up. If it sounds like you think, check it out. We're all for watching more racing because we don't have anything better to do with our time. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to uh, the final series we're going to discuss. And uh, one of you on your side of the pond, which has very much grown on me, IndyCar. All right. There's quite a, quite a lot of news uh, to discuss in IndyCar. Yeah, uh, first up, they introduced a new car last year, which is so sexy. Mm. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And they they just seem to be doing everything right over these past few years. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially in 2018, they just, like, the race format, I, I very much loved uh, the slightly longer form that F1, so about two hours, which I think allows strategy to play out very nicely. Uh, like, you when Europeans shitpost about American racing, they, they all say, oh, it's just turning left. I mean, even ovals. I mean, ovals are amazing to watch. Because you'd be surprised how much strategy goes into it, how much uh, tire management, how much fuel management goes into it. Like, most races are right on the edge between two and three stops. Yep. And the longer ones are right on the edge between five and six. So it's there's quite uh, quite a bit more to it than people like, like to imagine. It's You should give it a watch. I'm always recommending IndyCar. The oval races are honestly dangerous. At some of the tracks they go to, they can absolutely get hurt. And obviously, I mean, we saw last year with, uh, um, with Wicked's crash. Yeah, with Robert Wicked's crash at Pocono. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, even in general, 
the ovals are, are extremely exciting to watch. Yeah, sometimes they can get a little bit boring. These cars are just so insanely quick that, I mean, and they're just so aerodynamically efficient that you can keep that thing planted mostly and keep it going. So a lot of pack racing, but again, you have so little margin for error because these things do not cover the wheels. So um, any any contact, you're probably going to be going into a world of hurt. So... But the thing that I love about this, dude, is if you look at the silly season, the just just the upcoming driver list, the upgrades that I've seen from everything, uh, from almost all oh, teams, yeah. is just crazy. I mean, we, there's uh, it if they're not if they didn't already retool with a better driver, they already have an almost stacked lineup throughout the entire uh, team. It's I mean, it's great to see almost every team have some driver that you absolutely know from somewhere else, something else, even IndyCar. Um and I'm just I'm I'm excited about this. I'll be going to the uh season opener as well down in St. Pete in uh, next week. So, I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah. And I'll be watching from my comfortable room because flying to America is expensive. It is. <laughs> Yeah, but just like in a driver list, you, you, you've got the veterans, like you've got like Tony Kanaan, you've got Scott Dixon, you've got Bordet, you've got uh, you've got Ed Carpenter, which is a which is a team owner slash also driver. I mean, you've got Will Patton, you've got Simone Pagano, you've got you've got all you've got, you've got the veterans, and then you've got the youngins. I mean, every just every team, every team looks as you said, every team looks stacked. I mean. We've even got like ELMS slash WEC teams coming over with Dragon Speed, mm-hmm. feeling like a part-time car. I mean, Ben Hanley doing more things because why not? <laughs> He's obviously bored. <laughs> oh, it's I, I mean, and Brendan Hartley is going to be potentially driving for Junko. I mean, Junkos is a is is obviously in sports cars, and they're going to do whatever. They're trying to do. Oh yeah. Uh, they're they're uh, McLaren's in this. Meyer Shank, who does sports car. Rahel Letterman, who also does sports car. Like I mean, there's so many different crossovers for sports cars, Formula One. Uh, just in and this is regular season. We're not even talking about in the Indy 500. And I think, uh, it, you know, uh, that is just the underlying thing is that we're not even talking about the biggest race. We're literally just talking about how how good this season potentially can be with the driver lineups and the teams that are already here. I mean. So we're, I mean, we could be talking about one of the best IndyCar seasons that I can potentially remember dating all the way back to 1995, 96, you know, because everything after that has basically, that was the peak. That was the shining city on the hill, essentially for IndyCar was 1995. And, um, so we might, we might, we can't do it. We can't do it. I don't know. Should we, should we do a Paul George? Should we bring up Paul George? No, I don't know. Let's not. But um, it's actually not Paul George. It's Tony George. So I might actually edit oh, that out because Paul George is a basketball player for the National Basketball Association in the United States. And Tony George is a sick son of a bitch who actually got rid of IndyCar <laughs> and murdered it and murdered it out and back with a freaking machete. Rusty machete, man. Awful. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Whew. That, yeah, that, that, that was great. That was great. I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we've got Dragon Speed that's coming over. Um, obviously McLaren with we've Fernando got, Alonso. Oh yeah. For the 500. Yep. Executing order 66. <laughs> and we've obviously got, uh, Harding Steinbrenner who have, uh, who were thought to expand to a two car team to be a sort of Andretti B team. And I was excited to see that. 
like I was excited to see a well half excited half surprised that a 22 year old dude is a team owner a bit just a little yeah I mean it's slightly surprising um I mean Colton Herder was thought to be a shoe in for Andretti because uh, uh, he is obviously the son of Brian Herder, who owns and half operates the '98 car, which Marco now, now drives or owns. In any case, uh, Brian Herder st- still works with Andretti, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they were thought to be fielding two Honda powered cars in a move from one Chevrolet powered car uh, of last season, but then. But then uh, they announced that they were scaling down to one car and that they had split with reigning Indy Lights champion Patricio Ward. Nice. I think Pato's That's got... money. Yeah, I know. I like Pato, though. I like, I mean, I like them both. I mean, Colton's no slash. I mean, he's, no. he's not going to be a stroll. He's not no. going to be a stroll. Mm-mm. And this, and so even if Dad's money says, yeah, exactly. I mean, He's got a Rogue 24 class week. I mean, the Rogue 24 was a, was a bit of a shit fest in the final hours. Let's put it mildly. <laughs> a but win's he, a win, man. A the, watch is a watch. A win's a win. Watch is a watch. <laughs> He's not going to be strong, but... No. Uh, both him and Award, Award were in a different league in lights, if I recall, last year. And to see them scale down, I mean, probably it was probably a money issue. Like, they, Andre re- realized... Oh, we can't really afford to field six cars for the entire season. We're going to have to scale that down. Mm-hmm. So Michael already swears he offered Pardo a part-time drive, drive, and Pardo said no. So, Pardo wanted to go full-time, and uh, his Indy Lights Championship obviously guarantees him the uh, three races, including the 500, if I recall correctly. And I don't know. He might be out of a drive. He might only be doing the 500. I mean, I'd love to see him in the McLaren next to Alonso if they can field two cars. Well, I mean, if they've got happens... a driver for it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that point last year, everyone thought Alonso was going to do any car full-time and then it just fizzled out, so there we go. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel gutted for Pardo. I feel gutted for everyone involved because it just it's just messy. Is he going back to Indy Lights? Pardo, I, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, he he's got the the Light scholarship, so like yeah, he got he got the money for, for winning the championship, so he might use that to buy his way in somewhere else. Right. But yeah, he was gonna have a full season drive, and I mean, this wasn't meant to be, man. This wasn't meant to be. Maybe next wasn't year. Meant to be. Maybe we'll see. Well, we'll Maybe I'm sure year. we'll see him at, at Indy. We'll see what team he lands with Indy. Hopefully next year, because what he did at Sonoma last year was Fantastic. magic. I mean, yep. not, not not necessarily magic, but the way he grew into the car over the, during the course of the race. Like, at the start of the race, he was just falling backwards, struggling to figure out the tires. But then mid-race, he just switched on and ended up P9. And after qualifying that car, P8, I want to say. Yeah, he, won, he had one hell of a race, for sure. Absolutely. He had one hell of a race. And, I mean... That race just sold me on him, and I really wanted to see him wheel that thing around. But oh well. Um, in the midst of it, we've got some calendar changes. Uh, Phoenix Raceway is out because of money, apparently. But we've got Coda. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the first time 
since 2000. So this is the first time since the reunification that IndyCar is racing uh, at the same layout as Formula 1. Last time that happened was Kart in Montreal. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they behave, how strategy uh, plays out, and uh, just in general how different the race feels to the F1 race, which happens in October. Uh, the big step, the big hurdle towards uh, the uh, Dakota thing happening was Texas Motor Speedway, uh, who were persuaded persuaded uh, to give up their regional exclusivity. Like they had had it written into their previous contract that they there may no there may be no other race in Texas, and that's gone now. So we've got Coda, baby. Yeah, that's, that's honestly pretty surprising that uh, that they gave that up. I'm not. I'm not quite. I mean, because there's nothing really for you to benefit outside of, uh, uh, I, I guess, spreading more IndyCar in the, uh, you know, in the state of Texas. So I guess there's that. But um, yeah. So <laughs> I genuinely not sure what why that move, but I mean, it, it's beneficial for all of us fans. And yes, that that is a big point too. Is that this is the first time that we're really going to see a heads up comparison for overall lap times uh, between F1 and IndyCar and. Uh, we should definitely see a huge, huge difference between the speeds. Let's just put it that way. Oh yeah, we've also got we've also got uh, Sonoma Raceway going out of the calendar, being replaced by WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Oh boy, good Laguna. I mean, from what I can understand, Laguna is hallowed tarmac in American racing. So to see them go there is. Is very nice. Let's put it that way. Oh, for open for open wheel uh, American racing, uh, Laguna Sega is 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 a mecca for sure. If it's not indie, it's it's a mecca. Oh yeah. Uh, but the race has also been pushed back a week to September twenty second. Now, uh, from what I've read in, in the comments, uh, no one really wants to intrude on <clears throat> on NFL season. So um, it's curious to see the race being pushed back. I mean. It means the off-season is a week shorter. But I hope that means that the calendar gets padded out to a couple more races, maybe 18 or 19 in the future. That'd be lovely to see. Yep. Oh, for sure. It's um... And finally... Yeah, go ahead. Finally, we are down to only five ovals for 2019. Boo. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going... They're aiming to go a third oval, a third street, and a third road. But A, the 500 is now the first oval, which, I don't know, was that was that ever the case? Probably. I think so, at some when point. It was, when it was only the 500, yes. And, I don't know, I'm not American, so I can't say. But, are ovals so much of a staple of American open wheel racing? Are the cars too quick for them? Is it a bad thing that we have lost an oval? Do uh, which oval would you propose to replace it with? Go ahead, man. I, I mean, I think we have Gateway still on there, right? I think Gateway yes. didn't get knocked, so we have Gateway. See, and that—that's a tough bit too. Is that Gateway has been forever to a hard place to get people to come to. Um, it's not in a great spot of the town, and it's—it's just—it's kind of paper clippy, and that—that that area's just never been a huge mecca for racing. So, uh, mecca, ding! I almost am saying that on on command here, but yeah, 
I that is a slightly concerning because I do love ovals and um I I, I do feel like I think we're going to get to a point, yeah, where we're going to get down to two to three oval races a year just from the safety aspect of it. And then when we try to, if there's pushback of fans going, hey, put more ovals on there, they're going to go, man, we can't go here because it's too quick. We can't go here. That's too quick. It's too here. It's too quick. So I think, I think it is kind of a phase down of, hey, like, let's try to limit the damage if we can potentially of accidents at these tracks, which is just a shame for fans because I think there is, and even the drivers, because I think that, for IndyCar, it, it, it's almost like you're driving two different styles of racing in the same car, and it's just very difficult to find that kind of a you know that kind of a racing series and you know that exists anymore. So, I personally would love to see five to six races be oval a year. I I want more road races than ovals, but I the oval aspect shouldn't be ignored, and that should be almost like an aspect of like, okay, look, you guys can turn right. But this is where you only turn left and you're going real fast. Can you do it? And that's and that's an homage to India in in any you know form of reference. So that's where I'm at. I think they should uh, at least if they're going to downscale, don't downscale all the way. Keep keep a few on this calendar. So well, there you go. Now Boom. I believe we've Boom. and I believe we've only had uh, the tested coda, which uh, Colton Herder previously discussed stopped. Posting a 146.6. Now, if I if I recall correctly, the poll time for for the United States Grand Prix, sorry for the loud keyboard, is a 132.2. So 14 Good. seconds and change of the pace. <laughs> there you go. That's the benchmark we're working with. Now the question would be who's who's more tired at the end of the day? Oh yeah, Lewis because Hamilton or Alexander right. Rossi kind of thing. Well, and and it's their. There's a whole lot less equipment. Your your muscles will probably your neck muscles will feel a lot better, but I bet you your forearms are just going to be killing you. You got 30 extra minutes of racing, and it's a lot slower. You're manhandling a and no power steering. Right, that's that's the big thing. So I I love it. I, the IndyCar is going to be a great year this year. I cannot wait. Me neither. Season starts on the 10th of March in St. Petersburg, Florida. Enjoy your race. Enjoy your visit to the race cookie, yep. and that just about wraps us up. I hope it wasn't terrible as the host, and you'll be getting flooded back as soon as we can. <laughs> no, great thank job, very, man. Thank great you very job. much for listening. Gazoo! Gazoo! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good... Fuck. There we go. Boom. Nailed it. I'm going to put that at the end. (laughs) All right. We can say it together if you want.